On this episode of the Culture Pop Podcast, summer movies are doing big business. Is this a sign that movie theaters are making a comeback? We talk about the actor who's likely to be the next Wolverine taking over for Hugh Jackman. Sue has discovered a cousin she didn't know about, and actor Robert Wall joins us. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Culture Pop Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or at stevemason.com. And don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. The Culture Pop Podcast is brought to you by the law offices of Jacob Imrani. Accident or injury, call Jacob Imrani, call Jacob. Hey, it's Mace. If you or a friend or loved one is injured in an accident, the first person you should call is my friend Jacob. When I did this, Jacob was great. He helped me by talking through the next steps, which really put my mind at ease. When you're injured in an accident, you got to have an expert. That's why you call Jacob, just like I did. Call Jacob, 844-24-JACOB. That's 844-24-JACOB. Or visit calljacob.com. Call Jacob. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Culture Pop Podcast. I'm Steve Mason along with Sue Kalinsky. Sue, you're looking good Saturday, July the 2nd, holiday weekend, but we got a really cool guest, so we decided to do a show today, and Robert Wall is going to join us. He's uh, as a Norm MacDonald impression from Saturday Night Live of David Letterman would say, do you watch the Arliss on the HBO? Arliss! <laughs> Arliss uh, was a uh, legendary show, so we'll talk to uh, Robert about that and all of his other roles. So what's been going on with you? Um, not a lot. I've been golfing. I've been hitting the driving range a ton. Yeah. Um, been running. Nice. You sound very active. I've been very physical. Yeah, good. Um, and... Uh, you know, you know, working. I'm I'm gonna start shooting the documentary, more interviews, uh, starting next week. How many documentaries are you? Sh- it's like you're always doing a documentary. Well, this is the one about Silver oh, Friedman. It's always it's always been the same documentary. Well, I did the the softball, the improv softball one. That was you know around a year or so ago, and right. this one. Um, you know, we we shoot every couple of months because uh, my partner lives in Seattle, so. He's coming down for three days in July. And uh, Leno, we're going to interview Jay. Nice. And a um, couple of other people that actually worked at the club. Cool. Um, and this is a documentary about, if, you, if, if you're new to the podcast, it's a documentary about... Silver Saunders Friedman, who is Bud Friedman's wife. And... Um, they split up many years ago and uh, she got the New York club. He got the LA club and no one really knows uh, who she is and that she really is the person who came up with the idea to start the improv. Cool. And Bud gets all the, he gets all the credit. He gets all the shine. Right. Exactly. Yeah. All right. I got a couple of uh, headlines for you here. Uh, since right. this is the culture pop podcast, I've been trying to do some pop culture headlines. Here we go. Last right. weekend, first time since the pandemic, four movies each earned $20 million at the box office. Elvis did 31, Top Gun 30, Jurassic World 26, uh, The Black Phone, which is this creepy looking Ethan Hawke movie, did 23 million. Are movies back, Sue? Well, uh, I think the the money speaks for, yes, they are. And it's great. Let me tell you a story. (laughs) I got a story for you. (laughs) So I wanted to see the Elvis movie last weekend, right? Yes. 
So, I, I mean, I try to see movies when they like I've seen. I'm not going to see the Ethan Hawke one, but I've seen Elvis Top Gun Jurassic World. So I go to see Elvis and Juan wants to go to see this one because it's Baz Luhrmann and he did Moulin Rouge and all that stuff. So uh, we go over to the AMC dine-in in Marina Del Rey. Tickets, $25 each. Yeah. Large popcorn, large soda, another $40. We spent right off the bat, 80 bucks without even yeah. thinking about it. It's that to me is the kind of thing that will kill the movies. Yeah. You see, this is the crap that they're doing with certain first run movies. They are charging more money for certain movies. It's not like, it's not like a, like a, a like a favored nations. Like it used to be. You go, if a, if a, if movies are showing at a theater, every movie was always the same price. Yes. Now, they're not. Well, and you know, it's they and stole shitty it from, movies should be cheaper. They stole it from Broadway. Broadway does that, right? That whole dynamic pricing thing where all this that used to be able to go see a show for a hundred and blank. Uh, and now, you know, it can be 800 bucks to get a ticket to uh, to Hamilton. Now, I mean, I think it's really important in AMC. Shame on you and all the big chains. I hope they listen to the podcast because this is too much for anybody to spend at the movies. It's just too much. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, everything has gotten out of hand. And look, the pandemic has made things much worse. But, you know, even sporting events. I mean, how it's so expensive to go to games, to yeah, go to baseball games. to go Hockey is like completely out of the question for the average family. Um, basketball is ridiculous. I mean, it's it's just it's just it's taking away something that's really for the fans and making it. Um, inaccessible. Yeah, I mean, at least in sports, people get it on TV. In movies, you're paying that money and you can't see it anywhere else, right? right. In other words, you you're you're kind of you're kind of stuck if you want to see Boz Lerman's Elvis. And by the way, review of the movie, kind of overstuffed, a little bit too music video, very surfacey. The kid is great. Uh, the kid that plays Elvis is fantastic, Austin Butler, and it's really fun to look at. But it's it's kind of empty at the at the end. And I don't know what Tom Hanks is doing. He's like doing a Bond villain. He's like, uh, I I get the Elvis. I am the Elvis keeper of the. You know, it's like this weird sort of Bond villain accent. And 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 but where was he from? I mean, he was from he was. He was America. from the Netherlands. Oh, he was from the Netherlands. So he was okay. supposed to be doing a Dutch accent, but I really oh. felt like at any point he could say, I'm about to blow up the world. <laughs> um, so uh, so we've got uh, we've got that. Um, are you watching? Well, also, I want to say that someone that I grew up with, Gail Berman, is one of the executive producers. Oh, she's a good friend of mine. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. So that's no, a it's, big deal. It's definitely. And Boz Lerman said he's got a four hour version of this. I mean, I would blow my head off. I, I could it not was three, watch. three something hours, right? Uh, it was is two that- hours. And he says he's got a four hour version. It's like, no, thanks. I don't need. And a four is, that, hour is he keeping that to himself? Or? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then he'll charge $50 for that movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so are you watching only murders in the building? I am not. Did you watch it last year? I did not. Oh, you're really missing it, out. Is it, is it really good? I think it's great. I think uh, Steve okay. Martin and Martin Short are so funny. Selena Gomez always looks like she ate a lemon. Uh, she's always got an unhappy look on her face. But uh, the other two just crack me up. Martin Short is just one of the great uh, modern entertainment figures there has been. I mean, and, and Steve Martin. I mean, come on. It's really, you should definitely check it out. 
Yeah, I. Uh, it's one of the shows that just eluded me. I just finished watching uh, Julia. Oh, yeah. How was it? This is the Julia it's Child one. Great. Is it? It's so sweet. Great acting. Great script. Um, again, an old agent of mine um, is an executive producer on it. Oh, wow. So you, know, Al, you know all the executives. I'm, 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 I'm surrounded by people who have much better careers than I'm me. I'm surprised you don't have better gigs, given that all of your <laughs> friends are executive <laughs> producers of things. Yeah, really. I know. <laughs> okay. Godzilla is becoming a new series for Netflix. They've not named it yet. Sue, are you in on a Godzilla TV series? Absolutely. I, I have, love Godzilla. I love Godzilla. When Absolutely. I was a little kid, Channel 20 out of Michigan or out of, uh, let's see, I grew up in Toledo. Channel 20 out of Canada had a Godzilla movie on every single Saturday night. And I built my night. I loved Rodan. I loved the smog monster. I right. loved Mothra. The, Mothra. I loved all those, uh, that stuff. So I am all in on a Godzilla yeah. series for Netflix. Absolutely. And the last one is Taron Edgerton, who played mm-hmm. uh, in Rocket Man. Great, great performance has revealed that he's been in talks with Kevin Feige and other Marvel studio executives about taking on the role of Wolverine, previously brought to the screen by Hugh Jackman. Now, I have a special attachment to the X-Men. Wolverine's part of the X-Men. So when I was a kid, I bought comic books. And I was drawn to the X-Men comic books from the time I'm a little kid. And... I came to realize later in life that a lot of other gay kids were into the X-Men. And it is because it was about kids. They went to a, like a university of X-Men or whatever that was. They, it was, it was kids that all felt different from everybody else and all had special powers. Oh and, wow! And so it, there, there's a there's a great sort of gay allegory into the X Men uh, that I really loved um, and and continue to. They'll they'll always be X Men. They're they're not going to stop making X Men movies. Uh, but Taron Edgerton is Wolverine. Uh, you got that square jaw. I I I don't. I think you can do. I don't think you can do better than Taron Edgerton. I think that's oh a good. good. I was going to ask you if you uh, approved of the casting of him. Yeah, I do. I think you. I think he'll be great. He's a great actor. He's oh a great god, actor. he was great. At, um, you know, playing Elton John, and he sang as well. Which, he sang uh, too. And Butler did. Did he sing? Austin Butler. Now, I will be honest. I don't know how much singing he. What's his voice and what's sweetened and what's layered in and all that stuff. But he is singing a big chunk of the Elvis movie, which which makes it more impressive. Cool. Yeah. yeah, well, I'm definitely going to go see it. I was I was going to see it. Oh, yeah, because I could have seen it at the Writers Guild, um, but I, could, I only could go to the 11 o'clock. They had two showings, one in the morning and then one at night. And I couldn't go to the night one and the morning one. Just it was just too early because I, yeah. I, 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 you know, I run on Saturday morning. So it didn't totally worth seeing. Totally worth it. Does that yes. mean you already ran this morning? Yes, I was up oh. at 630. Oh, God. Wow, you, you look like you just ate a lemon. What's I, going on? I woke up at 9.30 this morning. You yeah. had already run how far? Four miles. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, we do a thing. Every now and then we do a thing called a magic mile. Yeah. Which is um, it tests what your pace would be if you were running a race. So you run as fast as you can for a minute. You, I, I still do the um, intervals. 
I do run walk, but I run really fast for a minute and then I'll walk fast for 30 seconds. And I do that for one mile. So, um, I was running. And that's called a magic mile. It's called a magic mile. And I, I was like, uh, I don't know, like a 10 minute mile, I guess. It was probably. Yeah, it's pretty good. It'd be great for me. Yeah, it's pretty good. Oh, you know, uh, you know, I'm doing this new thing. Oh, no. What is it? Uh, I'm walk, doing and this, walk and eat donuts? No, I'm doing this thing called Noom. N-O-O-M. Oh, Have I mean, you I've heard, heard about it? it? Yes. You always got these food kicks. So it they deliver works. food. They, it so works. do they deliver stuff to you? Is that? No, no. Noom. I, so it's a diet I, thing, right? No. Noom is like a psychological. It's an app. And it's okay. like a psychological approach to weight loss. They give you little, uh, you know, rally speeches every day. Like, come on. Really? Mace, you can do it. Uh, and, and they actually say that, Mace? <laughs> no, I, I, <laughs> in my head, they do. Uh, they do call me Mace in my head. Um, and it tells, it, you know, it gives you sort of the psychological, here's, here are the triggers that make you eat too much. And here's, and quit ordering donuts. That's one of the messages that comes from Noom all the time. And, and it says quit order, ordering donuts. Quit ordering donuts, Mace. Hey, Mace. Hey, Mace. <laughs> Quit ordering donuts. Exactly. Hey, I got to put an ixnay on the donut. Yeah. No, but it's actually really good. And I, I've cut a little bit of weight on it. Oh, good. Which is and good. is Juan doing it as well? No, Juan doesn't need it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's fit as a fiddle. Yeah, he's he's fit. I've I got a ways to go. Um, well, so what did uh, what about the cousins? You didn't tell okay, the cousins. Okay, so I got to tell you this this story. So I found out a while ago. My second cousin, and you have to stay with me on this because it's first cousin, second cousin. So I have talked to you about my uncle Tootsie. He was the bookie yes. who had a, the nursery in Brooklyn. Yeah. Okay. So he had three daughters. One of the daughter's sons, who's probably in his late 40s, maybe 50s now, he did one of those 23 and Me things and found out that my uncle, who is his grandfather, um, had a, a, a child. Um, not mm. with my aunt. Oh, wow. Uh, he had a daughter. Now, my uncle um, had a girlfriend for the longest time. Um, probably so had a wife and a girlfriend. He had a wife and a girlfriend. But this girlfriend is not that this this child did not come from this girlfriend. He apparently uh, was seeing somebody else, I think, before he started seeing his girlfriend. So he had a daughter mm-hmm. and the daughter is. um probably in her like mid to late set, maybe late seventies, late seventies. Okay. And she has a daughter okay, who is, I believe in her thirties and she lives in LA. So my cousin, he's been in contact with her. I need I a know. fucking gene- genealogical chart to figure this out, but go ahead. Okay. So, um, the second cousin, the, 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 the child of my, you know, of, of my, my uncle's daughter he has been in touch with her, and I don't know whether he's been in touch with who would be his aunt, mm-hmm. uh, her mother, but he's been in touch with the daughter. So um, could you imagine? I mean, for all her life, both of them, they thought that their father was, you know, she thought her father was her father. Yeah. And she thought that her grandfather, you know, and the daughter thought her grandfather was her biological grandfather. Right, right. So everything is, 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 is changed. So now who is this person to you? Okay. So she would be, um, the mother who was, who would be my uncle's daughter. It would be uh, a first cousin for me. Oh, so it's a first cousin. And the daughter, it would be my second cousin. 
Got so, it. So the daughter contacted one of my brothers and had asked him um, if I would be interested in um, in meeting her because she lives in California. She lives in Highland Park. Okay. And um, and then she had asked my brother, I guess, for some photos. So she sent me a message on Facebook and I responded immediately. I was like, I would absolutely love to meet you and I'd love to meet your mother because I've seen pictures of the two of them and they look so much like my mother. Oh, wow. So it's crazy. Anyway, so I find out not through her. I found out through um, a, a cousin of mine, one of the daughters of my of my uncle, that she's married to one of the guitar players in Alanis Morissette's band. Oh, wow. Yes. Oh, that's so, cool. So they were just in England touring. And um, so she's been, you know, letting me know what's going on. She says, I'm away, you know, I'm on vacation. But when I come home, I'd love, love to get together with you. So I sent her a bunch of pictures and um, hopefully I'm going to meet her soon. So here's my question. What do you really <laughs> need more family for? Like, I barely see the family I have. Like, I've got cousins. They came in. They, I had a couple of cousins that flew in a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and very, very nice to see them. I had a dinner. And, you know, one of them was uh, just in a divorce. And another one uh, was a Rhodes Scholar. Actually, I have a cousin who's a Rhodes Scholar. Uh, and another one was tanked on on weed. <laughs> and I'm like, I, well, I don't need to really talk to them again because I've got that pretty much covered. What? And so what do you need this extra family for when basically you probably don't see a lot of the family you have? Well, what's what's cool about it is that I I worship my uncle. My uncle was uncle like Tootsie? The uncle Tootsie. He was the coolest guy in the world. I'm sure some women may say otherwise. Yeah. Because he did have a little, a bit of a wandering eye, but he was the coolest thing in the world. So they are connected to him. I mean, they're his daughter and his granddaughter. Granddaughter, right. So I, and, and because they look so much like my mother. Right, <laughs> like, right. I just have to meet them. And they just seem, I mean, the daughter, I haven't seen the mom or talked to the mom, but the daughter just seems really cool. And uh, hey, maybe I'll get to meet Alanis Morrison. Oh, yeah, that would be great. Did you watch that documentary about Alanis yes. Morrissette that Bill Simmons did for HBO Max? It's, it's unbelievable. Great. It's great. So and he's good. in it. He's in it. He's been with her forever, this guy. Yeah. All those documentaries were great. Those music box. The one about Kenny G is like totally. You want to talk about an attitude change. Like I always thought Kenny G, uh, Kenny G, mm -hmm. clarinet or whatever he's playing saxophone. Um, <laughs> you watch the uh, documentary and you're like, that's right, Kenny G. You're damn right. You work your ass off to do this. Like Kenny mm. G is still practicing. I forget what he plays, the clarinet or the saxophone. Still practicing for hours a day. Is a great golfer. Just practices nonstop. He's a great golfer. He is a great golfer. Like wow. wins celebrity uh, charity events and stuff like that. But you got to go watch that documentary about. Oh, I never would have even thought of watching that. Totally a game changer. Okay. I told people about. They thank me afterwards. Kenny G actually. Much cooler than you think he is. Okay. Well, he golfs, so I like him already. There you go. Uh, all right, let's do this thing. Our guest today is best known for creating and starring in Arliss for 80 episodes on HBO. He has also starred in films like Good Morning Vietnam, Bull Durham, Blaze, Tim Burton's Batman, and the baseball biopic Cobb. Robert Wool is here. Robert, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, you're very welcome. 
So, uh, you know, when I think of you, I think of sports. Uh, so much of your work has, uh, has something to do, some common theme. Did you go looking for sports-related projects, or did they sort of come to you? How'd that work? Well, with the exception of Arliss, no. Um, the, uh, this Bull Durham was, in fact, uh, Bull Durham, there, I should have hold up the book, it's inside. Uh, Ron Shelton has just put out this book, uh, The Church of Baseball, which is by, published by Knopf, which is the Tiffany of all publishers. It is an outstanding, standing book. First, you know, just about his story in baseball, but as far as how a movie gets made and breaking down the script and every scene and what it, and fighting and dealing with everything, the studios, and it is way, if you are into film, there's a, it's up there with William Goldman's Adventures in the Screen Trade, which wow. is, the, that's mm. high praise. That's very, it's that good. It is that good. And it's getting, you know, raves all over the place and well-deserved. Be that said, I auditioned for that. And as they say in the book, I gave the worst audition in the history of film. Uh, and Ron said, that was the worst. And the casting director said, I'm sorry I brought him in. That was the worst direction I ever, worst meeting I ever saw. And he said, it was. Hire him immediately. Uh, so oh, that's that, so cool. Yeah, and that and Cobb came out of my relationship with Ron. Uh, uh, Blue Chips, again, with Ron. Uh, Arliss was me. Arliss yeah. was my, was my uh, baby. Uh, but I, that's the only one I actually went looking for, it, per se, yeah. And like sports, like growing up, uh, you know, your dad, a big sports fan. I mean, how did you get so involved in sports? Yes, my dad was a sports fan. Uh, my dad was a very good athlete. Very, very good athlete. Uh, he actually had a tryout one where he grew up in Newark, New Jersey. And he had a tryout with the great Newark Bears teams of mm. that time, which was the AAA team for the Yankees. I mean, they, I think Rizzuto came from there and Cronin. Now, he didn't make the team, but the fact that they gave him a tryout, you know, would, would testify to... Uh, to his, uh, he was a terrific tennis player and bowler. I mean, he was a good, good athlete, my dad. Uh, baseball became, uh, and I learned sports from him. More importantly, I learned about athletes from him, about the way they think. You know, when I hear fans on shows saying, well, you know, how come they're doing this? And then it's like, that's not the way they think. It's all routine. It is all routine. They don't carry it with them from one day to the next. Uh, case in point, first day of shooting Bull Durham, there was a scene in the there was a scene in the locker room, and well, the first day of shooting that I was, the there was a scene in the locker room, and the AD said, "Well, okay, guys, now you just won a won a game, and so everybody's really excited after winning a game, and you're in the locker room." So we walk in, and everybody goes, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah!" And Ron goes, "Cut." He said, "Let me tell you guys, this is routine. You've done this every day of your life, probably since the age of eight. He goes, "You win." He goes, "Pardon my language here." He goes, "You're thinking about two things." You know, uh, you know, where's where are the girls and where's the food? That's mm -hmm. what you're thinking about. That's you know, that's what athletes athletes don't think like fans think about. Which is why Bull Durham succeeded in most sports movies. Don't why they mostly suck is because I enjoy them. I have a sports movie fan, but most of the times they suck uh, because ninety percent of the time they're told from the point of view of the fan, and the fan only cares about one thing. Did the team win or lose? That's they don't care how you got there. They don't yep. care. That's all they care about. Ron Shelton was a ball player. He knew what he what he was thinking is he was thinking like the guy at second base. He was thinking, I'm trying to keep my job. Hmm. We're all told by the, when they're not told by the point of view of the fan, you get a better movie and the big game. That's the other bullshit thing. Always the big game that comes down to the big game. Most times, there you go, Ron says, there are no big games. Yeah, once in a blue moon, there are big games. There's a couple of movies where it comes down to the big game. The big game loses Rocky. 
Bad News Bears. Uh, uh, Friday Night Lights. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, right. yeah. But uh, but you don't think much about the game as much as you think as a journey. With with all those with all those uh, movies we just made, which are three of the better sports movies. You know, Bang the Drum slowly doesn't end with a big game. Um, the the, uh, the Hustler doesn't end. Well, it kind of does, but kind of. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, you know, so that that's you know I learned from that. So you get, uh, and by the way, I started in minor league baseball, so I completely get, uh, you know, the church of baseball. I understand. And Ron Shelton, cl- clearly it's the best representation of sports. I think that is ever that, that I can think of, of, and it's partly because I had that experience of working for a minor league team. And, and there was, you, you said, you know, 